If you would turn in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 22, our text is going to be verses 15 through 22 this morning. Matthew 22, verses 15 through 22. And for those of you that are able, would you please stand with me as we join together in this reading and honor the Lord together. Matthew 22, verses 15 through 22. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, They marveled, and they left him and went away. Please be seated, and may God bless his word to us today. First of all, I just want to thank the Lord. Uh, I will pray, but I want to thank the Lord um, above all for this opportunity. Uh, It's a great responsibility to be up here, and uh, it's actually a personal great joy for me uh, to just be up here to be used by God to encourage you all. Um, I'm grateful for my church family, and also I just want to thank Adam and the elders, um, uh, Trey and Dave, for giving me the opportunity to, to be up here. They trust me, <laughs> even after last time, so I uh, must have done a couple things right. Um, so, so yeah, so I appreciate this time, and uh, will you please join me in prayer this morning as uh, we open up the word of God for him to speak. Uh, Father, we just love you. We're gathered here in your name. We need you, Lord God. We need uh, a taste of heaven this morning, Lord God. We need you, Lord, to attack those things in us that aren't of you. We need you to bring sanctification. We need you to make us more like you. That only comes by your power, by the, your spirit alone, O oh God. So, Lord God, I ask that as we bring this Bible before us and we open it, Lord God, that we are quick to say yes and amen. That you prepare our hearts. Father, you prepare my heart, Lord God, even as I preach this to myself I thank you, Lord God, that your word has been so powerful over the last couple of weeks in my own life. And I, I pray, Father, that that just be contagious this morning. And that, Father, you just uh, make us all like you, Lord God, draw us unto yourself, Lord God. For those of us that don't know you yet this morning, Lord God, bring conviction. Uh, Father, pierce hearts, Lord God. And please, that repentance may be made manifest in all of us. That all of us turn away from doing things our own way and, towards, and go towards doing things your way. And uh, I just pray that in your mighty name, King Jesus. Amen. Amen. So I appreciate um, Baltimore being brought up in prayer. Um, It's kind of ironic that during this time in our country where we're seeing some things go down in Baltimore that we're talking about authority this morning. So uh, there's a a big theme of authority going on in the media, obviously in different parts of our nation, even in 
uh, cities like Philly and New York that kind of joined some of the protests. Even in upstate New York, where my sister is at, people join and protest uh, up in Syracuse, New York. So it's a, it's a big theme. And when you say the word authority, uh, sometimes, depending on what your, your background, your, um, your kind of uh, personal story and where you were raised and your personal experiences, that word authority brings different things to mind, different emotions. Um, but this morning, uh, by the grace of God, I want to open up God's word so that God's word can instruct and tell us what a true authority is. In particular, uh, governmental authority, ruling, uh, you know, the, the people that are in Capitol Hill and otherwise and in our state capitals, uh, those governing authorities, humanly speaking, and then, of course, the authority of God. Um, so just open our hearts, uh, open your hearts this morning. Uh, Lord knows I've been opening up my heart, and uh, I'm preaching to myself this morning, all right, just so y'all know. Uh, this is totally applicable to me. I, I've, I've had issues with authority before in my life. <laughs> and so um, this is something that really uh, worked me this week. I'll just be quite honest with y'all. Um, so turning to Matthew chapter 22, if you're not there already, I know we read it in the Word, but uh, please just put your finger on there uh, just so you can look back. And if I say anything squirrely, you can actually go read it for yourself, right? <laughs> cool. So here we are again. So Jesus has enemies. And I think uh, for most of us that are familiar with the word, um, we see that people try to attack him all the time, in particular groups like the Sadducees, the Pharisees. Uh, here is kind of a, a group that's not normally mentioned called the Herodians, who were basically people who were dedicated to King Herod, who was the appointed Jewish, so, quote-unquote, king of the Jews, appointed by Rome to oversee the things um, that pertain to Jewish culture and Jewish concerns. And so... Here, here we are again, and they, they kind of remind me of, like, the antagonist or the bad guy in a cartoon. They're always trying to follow the plans of the good guy, but in the end, it ends up, like, blowing up in their face and, and them looking really dumb. Um, so if, I don't know if anybody's here familiar with Pokemon. Like, Team Rocket, like, like, the Pharisees remind me of Team Rocket. I'm sorry if you don't understand that YouTube bit. I'm sorry. But it's like they, they always try to go in and do some harm, but they end up looking bad for it uh, in the end. So here they go. And normally these two particular groups, we have the disciples of the Pharisees and we have the Herodians. Normally these two guys don't hang out. These two groups of people don't hang out. Uh, they have disagreements about different things, and in particular the Herodians' um, alignment with uh, King Herod. But here they are. They're teaming up to try to get at Jesus and try to make him look bad in the public square as he's trying to uh, do his ministry and preach and teach. And so here we are. They flattered him, of course. Try to throw him off his game a little bit, and we all know flattery that does that to us sometimes. We, we can do uh, crazy things and make uh, silly mistakes. Uh, they had no idea who they were dealing with, of course, so that wasn't going to work. But they were saying really good things. In verse 16, teacher, we know that you are true and teach the truth of God, the way of God truthfully. And you don't care about anyone's opinion, for you're not swayed by appearances. So they, they're preaching it at this point. It's going good. But then there comes the proposition to make Jesus stumble, right? Verse 17. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? So this is a question that they were waiting for the answer to with high anticipation. You know, they were like, all right, this is what's going to mess up. Yeah, this is it. This is it. We got them. We got them. And it's just, just so funny how many times Jesus foiled their plots and their plans. And they still, they, they didn't learn from it. They just continually pressed him, continually. They just, they just were completely spiritually blind, had no idea who they were dealing with. And I love it that it says um, Jesus knew their hearts. He knew that, that there was malice in their hearts. And so it, it kind of gives us kind of like an a insight into what was going on uh, underneath the surface. 
So they were waiting for his answer. They thought the answer was going to be, no, don't pay taxes. You know, I'm the Messiah. You know, like, I, I'm, the, I'm the new king in town. I'm the new shepherd in town. You don't have to, you know, pay attention to, to that rulership. Hey, I'm ushering in the kingdom. I'm going to take over. And so they threw that question out there, knowing some of the scriptures, knowing some of the background, and were expecting a certain answer from him. And many of them thought that the taxes were unjust. And so they thought that Jesus was going to say what the crowd wanted to hear, which <laughs> often is not the case. He's not into ear tickling, so to speak. And so they, were, they thought he was a rebel. They thought he wanted to come and overthrow Roman rule as the Messiah and set the, the Jews free from Roman rule. So to their surprise, however, after, you know, calling them hypocrites, after the Bible says that um, he knew their hearts and that there was malice in their hearts, this is what Jesus says. He says, give me a coin. <laughs> and so here I wanted to specifically put a picture of the coin, the type of coin that they would use. This is a, a representation, of, a picture of a denarius, okay? So it has a face on it, all right? So he's like, all right, let me see a coin real quick. And then he says, well, whose image is on that coin? Caesar's, all right? Well, if it's Caesar's picture on the thing, then give it back to him, all right? Really, really plain, and uh, Jesus was very blunt at times, and, uh, and I just love this. Like, he just dis completely destroyed any argument, anything that they were coming with. He just, like, did away with it really quickly. Sorry about that. Uh, <laughs> I get excited. My arms flail. So that brings me to my first point, all right? So Jesus is saying, hey, this is something that the government has established. This is something that, you know, it belongs to Caesar. You can tell by the fact that his image and inscription are on this thing. So give it back to him. And that's my, my first point um, in today's sermon is we got to give the government what's due to the, to the government. All right. So what am I looking for? What am I looking at? Look at that word render. All right. It, it means much more than to merely give. All right. He didn't say he could have said, well, yeah, well, Caesar's face is on it. Give it back or, or give it to him. Instead, he said render. And if you look up the Greek word, which is really helpful to do sometimes, it's the word apodidomine, and it basically means I give back, I return, restore, I give, and I render as due. So it's more like, hey, this is owed. This is not, hey, uh, you have something, and I'm asking you to give it, give something that, that was yours originally, and I'm asking you to give it now to somebody else. He's like, I, I'm asking you to give that thing back because it's owed, because it's due to the person whose image and inscription is on the coin. And so it's very different than the word give. So symbolizing what we're talking about here and what Jesus is trying to bring up by saying whose picture is on the coin is basically saying, well, who is an authority over the system which uses that coin, right? And so the system is obviously the Roman rule at the time, right? So the governing authorities at the time, the Jews was, were under Roman rule. So he's, he's reminding us by pointing out to the image and by saying to give it back, he's reminding us, hey, we have a responsibility here. You need to do that responsibility. And I love it that this is God in the flesh talking. So he's validating the governing officials, he's saying, yes, they are correct. They are right. You give that back to where it's due. Render unto Caesar the things that are his. All right? The Roman rule issued those coins 
And if you're a citizen of Rome, you can use those coins, or if you're within the Roman uh, uh, landscape, you can use those coins to exchange monies or whatever, and you also pay tax because of services rendered. And we're going to get that in, into that in a little bit. So it reminds us, just like our dollar bills, just like our coins bear the marks of people that were here uh, at the, during the foundations of this country, uh, it reminds us of our loyalty and our responsibility and where they lie. All right? So this leads me to my first sub-point in this first overall point, that we all as citizens of the United States of America, have a responsibility. Uh, you can cue the Star Spangled Banner now. This is, oh, you don't, you don't have it? Okay, never mind. Nah, that was <laughs> about to wave the American flag. Um, so yeah, so we have a responsibility as citizens of this country uh, to obey its laws and regulations, right? And so this is a, a famous quote by Benjamin Franklin, who was one of our uh, important key guys in, in founding the country, he says, uh, there's a famous quote from him saying, in this world, nothing can be certain except death and taxes. And a lot of y'all probably got that memorized, right? That's a famous quote, and it's true, but not all the way true. There's a lot of other things that are certain. The word of God, you know, a lot of spiritual things that I can throw out there. Um, but he brings up a good point. Uh, in all civilized societies, we are going to have some form of currency, and we are going to reap some benefit because we're going to talk about, okay, what are, what's the, what are taxes all about anyhow? Taxes are about you live in a place, and you receive benefits from living in that place, and so you have to contribute to the, benef from the benefits that you receive. You have to contribute back to that place in which you live in order to keep those, those benefits going. Nothing is free, right? Except salvation. All right, so this is my summary of, of taxation, okay? It's basically a fee that you pay back to a country because of the benefit that you receive from living in that particular country. And I was talking to Adam about this, uh, and he brought up a really good uh, kind of point of application. His friend is from Brazil, and when they were visiting, um, his friend and him were driving uh, along the road in the car, and the road was paved, you know, nice road, you know, uh, like most of us are used to except if we live in New York. <laughs> that might be a whole different idea, a whole different uh, thing altogether. But he says, wow, I can actually see your tax dollars at work. Look at your roads. Like, it's free of potholes. It looks like, you know, it's been paved over and over again to make sure that it's uh, up to spec or whatever. The lines are repainted. I can see your tax dollars at work. It's not like that where I'm from. You know, it, the, the roads are all jacked up. There's potholes everywhere. I mean, I, I'm from the, the, my parents are from the Dominican Republic. The roads are there, I mean, they're all jacked up. Sometimes you, you run into a dirt road or two, um, places where they maybe shouldn't be a, a dirt road or two. <laughs> and so a deeper understanding of what Jesus is trying to get at here is not just about taxes. Although he's talking about taxes, right? It, there's a deeper meaning. Because he's like, okay, render to Caesar what is Caesar. So he's not just saying render taxes back to Caesar's back to Caesar. He's saying, render what belongs to Caesar, what you owe Caesar, back to him. So that brings me to my second sub-point here, which is God has put that authority over you. So the fact that we have a government, and we're going to get into Romans chapter 13 right now, and I actually would like you uh, to turn there, please. Um, the fact that we have a government, the fact that we have um, 
authorities over us that tell us, hey, these are the rules, this is how you have to live uh, to be civil and to, be, and to live here and to be somebody that's known as uh, a law-abiding citizen and, uh, and as a contributing citizen, um, those governing authorities are established by God, okay? And so Jesus, in saying, render unto Caesar's what is Caesar's, he's affirming, like I said previously, he's affirming that those ruling authorities are to be listened to. And so we are to take that into our own personal lives as far as how we think and how we interact with our governing authorities. Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Let's read it. It says, Let every person be subject to governing authorities, for there is no authority, none, except from God. And those that exist, exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is, get this, God's servant. He's God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. So as much as people have animosity towards our police force right now, they are absolutely needed. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. Because of this, get this, and this is going back to what Jesus said earlier. Because of this, verse 6, you also pay taxes. For the, authority of, for the, the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pray to all, pay to all what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. Honor to whom honor is owed. It just brings what Jesus said in, in, in such a, it just brings volume to it. It makes it more tangible. It makes it more understandable. Why would he say, give unto Caesar what is Caesar's? Because he is teaching us, hey, God has put these officials over us. So this is not about, hey, let's anarchy and like, let's just rebel. God has put these people to rule over us for his purposes. And so we are to submit to what not only the United States government is saying, but Unless it contradicts what God has spoken directly, we are in effect obeying and honoring God by honoring the laws of this country. And so we are to be law-abiding citizens. And so some of y'all might be saying, well, you know, and, and I'm, let, me, let me put the, the face. Okay, well, like, well, there's corruption in the government. So I don't, I don't, I don't feel happy about paying my taxes. I, I think, you know, it's used for the wrong purposes and, you know. Etc. You, you can go on and on about that, and I'm sure a lot of us have different opinions about our tax laws, right? Uh, and then, you know, earmarks and things that are brought into bills and stuff that are just crazy. But if you think about it and you put it in the context of what Jesus and Paul are saying, they lived in Rome, okay? Ancient Rome, uh, killing Christians by feeding them to lions, Rome, all right? There was a lot of corruption and it wasn't like, our, I mean, at least some of our, you know, most of our governing officials, if they are corrupt, and we have to always pray and lift them up in prayer that 
uh, God um, restrained the evil, right? But some of them, yeah, are doing things that are not exactly ethical. Um, as, as, eth- as unethical as some of them are, um, they at least try to hide it for the most part, right? Like some of these Roman officials were just like, yeah, I'm going to just do this. And nothing you say, uh, if you say anything, I'll just have you killed or whatever. And so um, think about the context that they were saying these words in. There was a lot of corruption going on there, and yet Jesus was saying, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's. And here Paul is saying to obey our governing authorities. So we can't have an excuse, uh, even in our hearts, you know, because, you know, God looks at the heart, right? So even in our hearts, in the way that uh, maybe we refer to our country or our president or our ruling officials, um, in our hearts, God sees that. And there can be a, a sin build up there, right, if you're not careful uh, as to how you view our governing authorities. Always pray. Always pray. I'm not saying that they're perfect, right? Always pray for our ruling officials, but know that God is sovereign. Ooh, there's a word. God is in completely control, complete control over the people that are over us, all right? And, of course, uh, all that is affected by different things like voting and stuff. But even the final outcome is God is sovereign over that. So the people that voted for the guy that lost in the election, you know how they get all upset and bent out of shape for months after that and, you know, they rail? God is in control over that. So Christian, simmer down. <laughs> if your guy doesn't win, it's okay. It's okay. God is in control. Cool. So just something to look out for in 2016, I guess. <laughs> so, and I, and, I, and I forgot to time myself. Maybe somebody can time me. Uh, <laughs> but it's all good. I try to be fast. And sometimes I'm long-winded. I'm supposed to time myself. Anyway. So, again, Jesus refers to, uh, hey, re- respect uh, those rules and those officials that are over us. Um, God put them in place. All right? So it's part of our witness. So we have laws and, and regulations that we need to obey. So there's nothing crazier to me sometimes when you see this guy cutting and swerving uh, on, on the highway. He's cutting people off. He's swerving. He's weaving in and out. He's breaking all types of speed limits. And then there's a big Christian fish on the back of his car. Like, if that's you, stop. And that's why I don't put my fish on the back of my car. But anyway. <laughs> anyway, that's a, that's a whole different sermon. <laughs> yeah, I need to repent. I'm sorry. Uh, so, so then, right after that, so he's talking about, you know, um, our first point was we need to obey our governing officials, right? And we, we honor God by obeying our governing officials. But then right after that, Jesus, man, with the, with, a, with the subtlety of a karate chop to the neck, like, brings the whole conversation to a different level altogether. Because I love it that he is just always after his agenda. He always wants to teach. He always wants to bring the truth of God and reveal the Father to people. And so here he says, and to God, the things that are God's. Render unto Caesar's what is Caesar's, and the things that are God's to God. I love that. Uh, the first time I heard uh, this verse preached, it was just mind-blowing. I was probably a few months saved. And it was really, really helpful. So I was really excited to, to, to preach uh, this verse today, this passage today. So why should we render... Like what, like, what is he talking about? Like, he's talking about imagery. He's talking about this coin, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's. And then he's like, okay, man, render unto God what is God's. I want to, to, to kind of pay attention to the fact that he's pointing out imagery here. And so he's saying the reason that you need to give back this coin to Caesar is because his image is on it. And then he says, and whatever it is that belongs to God, you need to give back to God, all right? So... As far as imagery, as far as imagery and God are concerned, where is God's image found here among us? 
Justine? <laughs> Us, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. She raised her hand. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, we bear the image and the likeness of God. So when I read this, and to God, the things that are God, then I read it in the context of imagery, like Jesus is speaking of, I go straight to us. Render unto God the things that are God's. That which bears God's image, render it back to him. And so here's a couple of scriptures that kind of uh, remind you of where we come from and who we are, all right? Genesis 126, verse uh, 126 and 27. Therefore, then God said, let us make man in our image and likeness. And let him have dominion over the fish and the sea and the birds and the he- uh, of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He created them in his image. So what does it mean to bear God's image? Three main things, all right? And I, I, can, I can preach for like three hours on this alone, right? It's a deep topic, but here's a quick overview. So it's talking about mentally, morally, and socially. So mentally, um, we're created as rational. We can reason. We can choose. Uh, we can write books. We can uh, paint landscapes. You ever walk into a building that has beautiful architecture, and you're just, like, amazed that people could do this? Before you start giving credit to people, give credit to and glory to God because God gave people the equipment, his image, to do that. Basically, the image of God is anything that reflects God's good nature and character, his, his good abilities. Now, obviously, we're a subset of that, way, way a subset of that. But anything that reflects God is what it is part of us that's made in his image and likeness. So even the things like calculating sums and mathematical equations and even down to naming pets, all right, uh, God gave us the ability to do that. So that's mentally, morally, our conscious. Like, we have a conscience. We have a moral compass. There's a trace of the original state, all right, like where there was perfection. So we can write laws. We, we recoil when there's something really evil going on. Like, it disgusts us. Praise, we praise good behavior, and we can feel guilty over things, all right? And again, this is a really quick overview, overview. socially. So man was created for fellowship. And within the Trinity, there's fellowship. And that's, uh, you can just get a headache uh, studying that and just unfolding God's majesty and greatness is just awesome. If, if you ever take the time to study the fellowship within the Trinity, it's really, really cool. But we're made for fellowship. We're made for community, just like the Trinity is in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All right? So all that to say is we're very different than all creation. We're very different than the animals. We have dominion over them because of the fact that we bear the image of God, and we can do so much more than they can. All right? So... Bringing me to my next sub-point, we are made in the image of God in order to reflect God. So what does it mean to render, to render ourselves to God, going back to what Jesus said? Because that's what initially, that's, that's, that's basically what he's talking about. Rendering uh, the things that are God unto God is, is a lay at God's feet the things that belong to him, right? And so one of the most convicting scriptures in all of the Bible to me is this. Jesus said in Luke 4, 6.46, why do you call me Lord and not do what I tell you? That's one of the most convicting scriptures in all of the Bible to me because it points out our hypocrisy, right? Uh, and all the time I find myself doing things that are not in accordance to reflecting God, not in accordance to giving myself unto God. Because that's what 
rendering is, right? You give back what is due. So oftentimes we find ourselves not in that position, right? So taxes are paid, like I mentioned before, because um, there are benefits rendered for being in a place, right? For living in a place, and so you pay to continue those things, right? It's a little different, but it's similar in that we have so much, and I just read some of it to you, the benefits of bearing the image of God. So when we take that, those benefits, and then we go and give it and render it onto something else, that is colossal sin. And, and I hope maybe as that weighs on you as you marry uh, on that a little bit, that it, it kind of hits you. Like God gave us these lavish blessings and we bear his image and we can do all these things and then we don't give him credit for it at all. That's sin, utmost sin. And we have a tendency to do that. Less so when we had the spirit of God working in us, but we have a tendency nonetheless. And so when surrendering all, when rendering yourself unto God, all right, am I talking about pack your bags and move to Abu Dhabi? All right, am I talking about like, hey, let's just quit everything that we're doing now and go and be a missionary somewhere where we would definitely get killed, somewhere in the hills of Afghanistan? Like, it, that's not exactly what this is saying, although it can mean that for many people, and many people are answering that specific call in their lives. But what does it mean to be rendered unto God? 1 Corinthians 10, 31 says this. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. All of it. Whatever you do. Yes, you can sip a, a glass of Kool-Aid for the glory of God. Yes. If you have the right heart, if you have the right mindset, you can do that unto the glory of God. Now everybody's going to go buy Kool-Aid at full line. Um, that's not, you know, please, get, get the message. <laughs> okay, get in the habit of asking yourself this. The things that I'm involved with on a week-to-week basis, on a day-to-day basis, did God make me for what I'm currently involved in? All right, so we're talking about render unto God the things that are God's. Give it unto him. Give it up. Give it back. It belongs to him. Give it up to him. Are we living as if we belong to God on a day-to-day basis? You can ask yourself, the things that I'm involved with, did God make me for this? So it's a very specific thing that I'm talking about. So within the context, and there's a great scripture that we're going to read uh, later on in Corinthians, but within the context of what you do, are you there for God or for yourself? It's a good question to ask. The two greatest commands Jesus said in um, Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 and 39. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And, the first, and, the, and, the, and this is the greatest and first command, he said, and the second is like it. And you shall love the neighbor, your neighbor as yourself. So how are those two things doing in your life? Are you rendering yourself and giving yourself your time, talents, and treasures to other things more than you are to God? If you are, then that's gross sin. And all sin in God's eyes is gross, by the way. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, But we need to constantly, because Paul, he advises us, to examine ourselves to, we are if, to see if we're really in the faith, right? If you're outside of the faith, you're, you're, the Bible says you're, you're already condemned. You're lost, right? If, if Jesus is not your Lord, if you haven't believed in his, in his perfect life, in his death for your sins, in his resurrection for your salvation, and if you haven't turned away from your sins and gone to, towards God's ways, which is called repentance, 
then you're out. You're on the outside, all right? You're already condemned, right? You're, you, you, you deserve the, the condemnation of a traitor, all right? Because you rebelled. God's given you things, and you've taken those things and permanently and constantly give it to something else. But even within our faith, even if you are in Christ, we are to constantly check ourselves, constantly see if there's areas in our lives that are not rendered unto God. We have to surrender everything possible that we have in our lives to God. And the, the first thing, and there's a, the whole, I have a whole list here, but I'm not going to get into all of it. The first thing that pops into my mind is prayer, your prayer life. Think about what you're saying when you don't pray. When you don't pray, what you're saying to God is, I'm not depending on you today. God, I got this. I, you know, I, I have my schedule. I have, you know, my apps on my phone that give me the uh, reminders that I need to get through my day. I have my email. I have, I have my work. I know where to go for work. I, I have my paycheck is coming in. I'm good. I, I can do this. That's, that's what, in a sense, that's exactly what we're saying to God. And we have to be very, very careful. Our prayer life is a great indicator of how rendered we are to God. We have to be careful. We have to monitor that. And I'm preaching to myself. There's times when I, you know, I just give God the quick thing, the, the five minutes, Lord, thank you. you know. it, it, it's not enough. It's not enough. We have to fall on our faces and humble ourselves before him saying, Everything that I do, everything that I have is yours. I'm rendered to you. I'm given over to you. At this meeting that I have at 9 o'clock at work, I'm rendered unto you. At lunch when I meet uh, with my coworker at the, the sushi place, I'm rendered unto you. You know, when I go home and I'm with my family, I'm with, I'm with my wife, I'm with my kids, I'm rendered unto you. That's, that's, that's where prayer, that, it starts there when you humble yourself before God. If you're not praying, you're not humbling yourself before God. And so we have to give him the acknowledgement that he is Lord and that we're dependent on him. We have to be completely rendered to him in that way. It's almost like being a citizen of the country, of this country, and not, um, not knowing any of the laws. <laughs> it's like, okay, and not knowing anything about policy or the government, nothing. You know, you're just completely, like, oblivious to all authority. You have to be rendered unto God and submit to him and humble yourself before him in prayer. So I'll just rattle off a list, all right? And maybe if this applies to you, you can, you can start thinking about are you rendered to God in this area? So how about, you know, like I said, your time, talent, time, talents, and treasures. So what about entertainment? That's a big one for me. Uh, what do you do with, with your free time? You know, is all of your time just uh, that's, that's free given over, you know, when you're not working or whatever, given over to, you know, whatever, movies, video games, you know, Facebook, hey, always man on that one. Uh, Facebook, YouTube, watching pointless videos about trivia that doesn't even matter. You know, I'm just letting all my stuff out there, sorry. Uh, but, but yeah, are we, are we rendered unto God in, in the way that we find entertainment? Or are we incorporating, like, for example, bringing your family into whatever the entertainment is in order to build family bonding time? Or reaching out to a brother in Christ and say, yo, let's go see Avengers 2 and let's hang out together and build our bond. You know, if, if anybody wants to pay for my ticket... Uh, I definitely want to see it. So, <laughs> so yeah, so do you make time for those horizontal relationships? You know, he says love your neighbor as yourself. Are you reaching out to your physical neighbors in your neighborhood? Are you reaching out to other brothers and sisters in the bodies of Christ, in the body of Christ? Are you trying to make disciples? Are you going by the Great Commission? 
is, is most of what you do in life driven by the Great Commission, which it should be. We're here to make disciples, are we not? As believers, to make other followers of Christ, to spread the good news about Jesus Christ to those that don't know him yet. How much of your life is centered around that? Are we goats or are we sheep? Are we helping people? Are we visiting the sick? Are we going to the jails to visit those that are in jail? You know, you name it. And it's not just those specific things in that parable, but just so many other things that we as believers, as light and as salt of the earth should be doing. Are we, uh, are we slaves to capitalism? You know, or is all we are what we buy? You know, is, is, is it always the next thing to buy and planning for it and saving up for it? You know, are, are we so caught up in our Americanized culture? That it's funny, I mean, some other countries look at us and say, you know, yeah, we, we're caught up in our material things. You know, are we so caught up in that with our privileges and, and all our wealth? And, and praise God for the wealth. We should be using it rendered unto God. We should, it should be rendered unto God. And I love it that we have stuff like uh, the Lottie Moon and, and all this stuff that we send money out to support missionaries. It, it, it's all of that rendered unto God. Or are we caught up in our culture? And there's a lot of things on this list. I'm not going to get into all of it for, for the sake of time. Uh, if you want my notes, I got it right here. <laughs> so our lives and our identity, right, who we, who we find our identity in should be screaming reserved. It should be screaming reserved for God. It should be screaming purchased. That's another word that I'm about to get into uh, right now in my third subpoint. Uh, we should render unto ourselves unto God because we were purchased. Those of us that are saved have been bought, all right? So that the image of God can be restored in us. So we have a broken image, right? Obviously, we're not totally reflecting everything that is in God's character and nature perfectly. So there's a broken image there. Jesus Christ came to mend that image. Not, and not just mending it, he gives us his righteousness, his perfection. When we embrace him, when we have him as Lord, it's called the greatest change, right? We give Jesus our sin God laid all of our sins on Jesus Christ. He died for those sins. And in exchange, he, for those of us that call him Lord and repent of our sins, he gives us his perfection. So we earn, well, not earn, excuse me, we gain the things that Christ earned by living perfectly. And that's, that's good news. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.15 says this, And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but not be rendered, rendered unto themselves or other things, but for him who, who for their sake died and was raised. So it's not, life is not about us. Let's be encouraged about that today. It's hard, right? Because we're battling the flesh and we want to do things and we want to go out and we want to spend money. But listen, we have to render all those things unto God. Think about if the Navy hired me, right, and trained me and gave me all this ability and resources and money in order to build um, a a weapon in defense of our country, right? And then I took all those resources that the United States gave me and I go over to North Korea and build it for them? What would be the consequence of that? Wouldn't be good. You wouldn't like it. We'd be in Eric Snowden land, all right? Wouldn't be good. That's how God views our sin, all right? That's how God views when we're not rendering and giving those things that he gave us back to him. That's how serious, and it's, and it's a, a trillion times more serious than that in God's eyes. Because literally, he made 
the universe, the stars, the mountains. He called them to rise up from the ground. He, the, the, the oceans and the waves, he, he called them to stop at a certain point and says, okay, this is, where, this is the, your demarcation. This is going to be land now. This is going to be oceans. Uh, he makes the world go around the sun and, and, and tilt on its axis. And on all these crazy things, and he spoke things into existence, and, and right away they were there, boom, and appeared. And then he calls us and tells us to come and be with him and follow his commands, and we say no in our attitudes and in our hearts. It's grievous. We have to be introspective. We have to check out our own lives. Matthew chapter 12, verse 30 says this, whoever is not with me, Jesus says, is against me. And whoever does not gather with me scatters. There's no neutral ground. If you're not following Christ, if you're not rendered unto Christ, then you're literally drawing people away from Christ. There's no middle ground. There's no like, well, you know, I just don't want to offend anybody. I'm just here. You know, I'm just being a good Christian. You know, I'm just minding my own beeswax. Business. <laughs> was it not familiar? Um, if we're not rendering everything that we have unto God, we're scattering. Romans 6, 16 says this, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin, which, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. Obedience is such a key part of our walk. You know, it's not just believism. It's not just, I believe, therefore I'm saved. It's, uh, Jesus preached, believe in the gospel and repent in Mark chapter 1, verse 15. So we've all committed treason, right? And as we look at the things going on in Baltimore, and we look at a guy standing on a, on a police car and smashing a cone through the, the rear windshield, um, we're appalled by that. We're like, man, that's not right. Know that every sin that we commit looks like that to God. You know, James says, if you broke one of the commands, it's like you've broken all of them. So it's literally like, and I love it that... Um, what was that uh, way of the master always talks about like Hitler and how people were like, I'm not Hitler, I'm not killing people. And, and, and I know this is going to be offensive, but in God's eyes, we're on equal ground with Hitler. Yeah, we didn't orchestrate this whole big thing, killing millions of people, but that's how our sin is seen by God. And we, we have to really have a fear of God in our hearts and run to Christ. Run, he's the only way to come out of this situation. Can we completely stop ourselves from rendering our, what, what belongs to, God's, to God unto other things? No, of course not. And Paul struggled with that. And he, and he wrote, wretched man that I am, in Romans chapter 7. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Who? Then he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. I just love that. He sees the problem and he sees the solution. And he runs to the solution. Romans 5, chapter 10, speaks of the hope. It says, for while we were enemies, yes, God sees us as enemies when we're not with him, when we're not obeying his commands, when we're not rendered unto him completely, when we're not found in Christ. It says, for while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. That relationship that was broken was mended back together. By the death of his son, much more, and much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. Uh, I want to point out real quick, and this is my last page. I'm almost done. I want to point out real quick that, that when Jesus said these things about God and rendering to God what is God's, it says that they marveled, all right? And I'm not talking about Marvel Comics. Uh, it says that they 
admired him. They looked upon him with uh, admiration. Wow. But then after that, it says that they just turned around and walked away. So there was something off there, right? They didn't continually follow him. They didn't follow up. They didn't say, okay, Jesus, what are you, what, what are you doing now? Like, like, we're here. Like, okay, lead the way. They just left. How many of us do that? Where we're like, yeah, God, you're, you're Lord, you're King, you died for my sin, yeah. And then we just walk away, and we continually render the things that he gave us to the devil, to Satan. I mean, if we're not rendering unto God, we're rendering unto Satan. Uh, we're, uh, we have ourselves on the throne, that's exactly where Satan wants us, you know, that's to steal, kill, and destroy us, the devil. So we got to get into some active repentance. We got to really search our hearts, search our lives, um, Talk to, talk to brothers in Christ. Talk to our elders here. And, and if you need help with repentance, hey, there's people that love you, that will walk with you, and that will help you through that. So do it. So this is the, the last scripture that I'll read today. Um, this scripture to me says, you know, like, you remember how I mentioned, like, rendering yourself unto God doesn't necessarily mean, like, yeah, pack your bags. We're going to, you know, some native tribe somewhere. It basically, like, when you're in Christ and you're a citizen of his kingdom, right, where he has uh, a certain standard and a certain call, uh, rules and, and, and things to follow, and, and a way, you know, he's, he's the way, right? When you're a citizen of God's kingdom, you are now the blank that is rendered to God. So for me, for example, I am now the husband. I am a husband, but now I'm now a, a husband that is rendered unto God. I am now uh, an engineer that is rendered unto God. I am now a father that is rendered unto God. So fill in the blank for yourself. So here in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I'll just read a couple of these verses. I was going to read the whole thing, but for time's sake. Verse 17 says, Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. So he says, This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the mark of circumcision. Was anyone at the time called to, un, uh, to uncircumcise? I'm sorry. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision. Okay, I'll, sk- I'll skip a little bit. And it says, uh, it says, For he who was called in the Lord as a bondservant. Okay, I'll skip, 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 skip. This is uh, verse 23. It says, You were bought with a price. Do not become bondservants of men. So, brothers, in whatever condition each was called, there let him remain with God. So there's a difference, right? Like, okay, if you were called and, you, and, and God saved you and you're in an industry that obviously is blatantly, like, against the will of God, it's sin. What you do for a living is sin. Um, yeah, you need to leave, right? But if you're, like, a nurse, if you're a teacher, if you're, you know, um, whatever it is, if you're in the military, Whatever it is, you are now that thing, but rendered unto God. Think about that. Meditate on that. So the folks that are going to get baptized today are committing to that, are committing to being rendered and given up unto God. They're committing to that, and they're showing the whole world. They're going to show you here this morning. Hey, I'm rendered unto God, everybody. Everything that I have now belongs to him, and it's in his hands. And it's very, very admirable that they're doing that publicly, and I applaud them. Um, but let's all examine ourselves, including those of us that are getting baptized. Make sure you count the costs. Salvation is free, but it came at a great, cro- a great cost. Amen? 
the cross was not just some willy-nilly thing. It was very costly to God the Father to give up his only son. And God calls us to not be ourselves anymore. Galatians 2.20, it says, I'm crucified with Christ because I'm rendered unto him. It's no longer I who live, but the life I live in the flesh now, I live by faith in the Son of God who died for me and gave himself up for me. And so I'll, I'll leave it there with you guys. Um, let's continue to examine ourselves. Uh, for those of us that um, find ourselves in a situation where we're grossly, most of the things in our lives are being rendered to other things, um, let's do some work before the Lord. Let's fear God. Seriously, this is not a game. This is not a joke. Um, we will reap from what we sow. Either you reap what, from your sin and uh, are punished eternally for it, or uh, you are clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ by faith in him and turning away from your sin. With that, uh, I'll just close in prayer. Uh, Heavenly Father, Lord God, I, I just, uh, I'm amazed at your ways, Lord God. You, you know how to handle us. Father, you know how to be gracious, Lord. Even these Pharisees that were trying to make you stumble, Lord God, you were so gracious to them, Lord God. And in that same way, you were gracious to us that just have a, a tendency, Lord, to, to do the things that are not pleasing unto you, God. I, I thank you, Lord, for your wonderful and amazing grace that you give us so many chances. Father, that the cross was the greatest second chance that has ever been known to mankind. And, uh, and I pray, Father God, that uh, these things that we learned today, Lord, about you as the ultimate authority, God, that even in, in our governing officials, Lord God, that you set in place, Lord, you've put them there, Lord. So, Father, help us, Lord God, to, to be good, outstanding citizens of both this country and of your kingdom, oh God. Father, representatives, ambassadors, like we learned in this Sunday school's class, ambassadors for your kingdom, Lord God, representing you wherever we go, spreading the gospel wherever we go. Father, please equip us, Lord God. Help us, Lord God, when we get complacent, when we get just lackadaisical, Lord God, with our faith. Stir us up, Lord. Awaken us, God, by your spirit, by your power, Lord God, by your word. Transform us. Transform our minds. Transform our hearts. Help us, Lord God, to be yours, to be rendered unto you, Lord God. And we'll forever be grateful, Lord God. For those of us that, for those, of, for those here that don't know you, Lord God, I just pray that you make this word alive, that they believe unto salvation, Lord God, and turn away, Lord, and that you have your way in their lives, Lord God. Please, Lord, awaken us all to your truths by your power and presence, Lord God, and I thank you again for this time. Help us to apply it, and I, I pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.